So, tonight we're going to start a new topic. You know, Wednesday nights we have, uh, you know, Chesidus 101, I think it's called. But we go from topic to topic, different inyanim, different sugis. So, Bez Hashem, the sugi that we'll be beginning tonight, well, Bez Hashem will take us for the next few weeks, is the sugi of Eretz Yisrael. Sugi of Eretz Yisrael. The truth is, it's Bashert that we, that we begin to learn this sugi tonight. You know, this week's parsha, parsha's Baloischa, is when Klal Yisrael began to travel in the Midbar. They began to travel in the Midbar towards Eretz Yisrael. So the whole, the whole parsha, our whole parsha, parsha's Baloischa, is full of traveling towards Eretz Yisrael, and so uh, that's something that uh, is going on in the parsha. And uh, I think Bechlal, there's a certain feeling in the air of uh, Eretz Yisrael, you know, that uh, we have to get out of America, go to Eretz Yisrael. I've mentioned this, the truth is, from Shavuos already, I, I've mentioned to a number of people, a number of the shiurim that I've given as well, that Li Omerli, this is a sugya, the sugya of Eretz Yisrael is something that we have to learn about. And uh, the truth is, the truth is, I you know, I, a number of people have asked, um, like, what that means. Like, we have to, like, you know, does it mean we have to, like, start moving to Eretz Yisrael now and things like that? It's it's a complicated question, obviously. Um, but the Iker, the Iker, what when I talk about Eretz Yisrael, I'm not necessarily talking about picking up and moving because one has to understand. And Bez on Shabbos, I want to talk about this more in this year on Shabbos. Um, that uh, we, it, we be, there is an avoid in Chutzlarts. Chutzlarts has a place. There's a place, the avoid Hashem, that uh, is unique to Chutzlarts, and it's necessary. And it's necessary. With that being said, Eretz Yisrael is something that a Jew always has to be connected to in terms of Pneumius. And even one's avoid in Chutzlarts has to be Eretz Yisrael Dik, has to be connected to Eretz Yisrael. And everything a person is doing has to be. With the uh, the mindset and with the goal, with the tachlis of connecting oneself to kedusha Saaretz. and so uh, you know it's not a matter of 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 going to Eretz Yisrael because you know America is not safe, or even in, as we'll see soon, even if Eretz Yisrael, even for firm reasons, because Eretz Yisrael is a better place to uh, be from, and so on. Those are all chitzanis de gezachen. Not not to say that they're not logical, or not to say that they're not good things to think, but that's not what this year is going to be about. We're going to be discussing in Pneumius what Eretz Yisrael means, what Avodis Hashem from, from that place, that from that place inside of each and every one of us that's called Eretz Yisrael, what that looks like. So for tonight, Al-Kopanim, for tonight, Al-Kopanim, what we're going to be learning primarily tonight is what Eretz Yisrael is not. What Eretz Yisrael is not. When we think of Eretz Yisrael, you know, again, it's 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 one of the most, um, you know, we're, we're just so used to it. We're so used to the idea that there's a land of Israel, a land of Eretz Yisrael that we have to go to, the base of Migdash and so on. But if you think about it, it's such a strange idea. It's such a foreign concept. All of Chumash is is revolving around Eretz Yisrael. You know, like Rashi already says, the entire Sefer Bracious, all the way until Parshas Boy, is really unnecessary. The only point of it is really to uh, to legitimize our claim to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem created the world, so He's in charge, and He gave Eretz Yisrael to us. And from Parshas Bay to the end of Chumash, it's all about us traveling towards Eretz Yisrael. It's even Shrayim is in order to get to Eretz Yisrael. Everything is Eretz Yisrael. Like Tanakh, all of Tanakh is the history of Klai Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. So everything is about Eretz Yisrael, and it's something that's a little bit strange. I mean, just, you know, okay, everyone has a place to live, you need a place to live, we understand, but, but Yiddishkeit should be bigger than that. Yiddishkeit should be broader 
and, uh, and, 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 and more expansive than a, ge- than a geographical location. It doesn't seem to fit necessarily with what, with what Yiddishkeit is, uh, is, is, is about. So we have to learn about what Eretz Yisrael is and what Eretz Yisrael is not. So for tonight, what we're going to, the, the, the tzaddik that we're going to learn from tonight primarily is uh, Rav Kook. Rav Avim Yitzchak Kook was someone that lived in the turn of the 20, 20th, 20th, 21st century, and uh, 20th century, I'm sorry, and, he, uh, and uh, he was someone that was madly in love with Eretz Yisrael, with Klal Yisrael. And he saw, he saw what was going on in his day in terms of the rebuilding of the land and, you know, the Jewish people returning to Eretz Yisrael, albeit with all sorts of different religious uh, and ideological perspectives. He saw that as something very holy. And he saw that as something very uh, major in terms of the process of Geula. That aspect of his, of his shittas we're not going to be discussing tonight, but, but Lomaisa, in his writings, we find a tremendous amount about Eretz Yisrael, and all the things that he wrote, it's just a, a good thing to, to know that Rav Kook, his writings is very poetic, obviously, and also it's without Marmachimus, he didn't really give Marmachimus in terms of uh, where, you know, the ideas that he was coming from, where they're coming from, the farm and so on, but he called Hukop Sukkim once in a while, but nothing really more than that, he'll make references to different Chazals, but uh, no like real Marmachimus, but with the background of Pimei Satyr and Chassidus and so on, it's very, very clear that's, you know, Rav Kook, it's coming from Pimei Satyr, it's coming from Chassidus and things like this. And so Rav Kook, we'll, we'll, tonight we'll be learning some of his writings about Eretz Yisrael. And again, like I said, Befrat, what Eretz Yisrael is not in the beginning. Um, and again, although we'll just be reading from Rav Kook, and it sounds like these are just his own ideas, it's not really his ideas. These are ideas that are basic and, and fundamental in terms of Pimei Satyr. But let's just begin. There's no way. There's no better way to begin than just to begin. So in Marmokka number one, if you have the Marmokkaim is good. If not, then just listen along. So uh, Rav Kook, one of his farm is called Iris. It's a general name for many of his farms, Iris. So within the volume that's called Iris, there's different sections, different uh, different inyanim that he discusses. So there's a section that's called Iris Eretz Yisrael. <clears throat> so right in the first piece, right the first piece of Iris Eretz Yisrael. Rav Kook begins his discussion of Eretz Yisrael with what I mentioned, which is what Eretz Yisrael is not. And Rav Kook says like this, Eretz Yisrael is not just a piece of land. That's the, mo- that's, the, that's, the first, that's the first lesson that we have to learn tonight, which is Eretz Yisrael is not just a piece of land. It's not. It's not a superficial entity that you just happen, you know, people, people live here and people live there and people live in Eretz Yisrael some superficial or external acquisition that the Jewish people own. So individual people own their homes, their cars, their couches, their food, and so on. And the Klal Yisrael own a particular piece of real estate, and we call that Eretz Yisrael, the land of the Jewish people. That's not what Eretz Yisrael is. To think of Eretz Yisrael as just sort of a means to unify a people. And a place in which the Jewish people can physically survive, or even spiritually survive. In other words, even to think of Eretz Yisrael as a place in which we can keep Torah mitzvahs properly. That's also chitzaniistic. That's also superficial. That's, that's not what Eretz Yisrael is. Eretz Yisrael is not just a place that's sanctified by Hashem because it's the homeland for the Jewish people, and it's a place that uh, allows us to keep Torah and mitzvahs. That's not what Eretz Yisrael is. So what is Eretz Yisrael? 
it's a place, it's a physical place. So we're saying it's not. He says, Eretz Yisrael hi chativa atzmusis. Kishura bekesher achayim emu'uma. Eretz Yisrael is an entity that exists. Eretz Yisrael is, there's an aspect of the neshama that's called Eretz Yisrael. There's an aspect of the Jewish soul, collectively and individually, that's called Eretz Yisrael. And that piece of the neshama, that piece of the Jewish soul that's called Eretz Yisrael, it manifests, it materializes, it reflects itself in a particular place on earth that we call Eretz Yisrael. But the place of Eretz Yisrael is not just a geographical location. This is, this is the most important fundamental concept that in order to begin to understand the sugya of Eretz Yisrael and to begin to serve the Rabbanu Shlom in an Eretz Yisrael dika way, it's to, to understand that Eretz Yisrael is not just the place on the map. Eretz Yisrael is, there, is something in the Jewish soul. There's, a, there's an aspect of, of the Rabbanu Shlom. There's an aspect of the Jewish neshama that's called Eretz Yisrael. And the place on earth, that physical location over there that you have to take a plane to get to, that's a physical place on earth that's reflective, that's connected to this truth, this entity, this spiritual truth, this spiritual reality within the soul and within the divine that's called Eretz Yisrael. So Eretz Yisrael is not a place, and therefore anywhere that a person lives, even if a person is, doesn't have the schus to actually live in that geographical location, as we'll see soon, the avoida of a Jew is to always serve the Rabbanu Shalom from that place within themselves that's called Eretz Yisrael. And, and when a person discovers that side of themselves, that aspect of the Neshama, that aspect of the Rabbanu Shalom, that's called Eretz Yisrael, then on a metaphysical level, on a spiritual level, you are now connected to that place that's called Eretz Yisrael, and you are called an Israeli, and you are serving the Rabbanu Shalom from that place. We'll see soon, the truth is, even many of the schoolers that the Gemara tells us in Ksubis and in other places, unbelievable things that come to a Jew that lives in Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara says, Avir de Eretz Yisrael Machim, the very air of Eretz Yisrael, the very, the very oxygen, the very, uh, uh, the, the very airspace of Eretz Yisrael makes a person wise. The Gemara says in Ksubis, a person that lives in Eretz Yisrael lives without sin. The Gemara says that whoever lives in Eretz Yisrael is called having a God. So what we're going to see soon is that, that you could physically be in the land, but, that's not, but, but you don't have those qualities. You could be a tibish in Eretz Yisrael. And what about the air? Why does the airspace not make you wise? A person could be a sinner in Eretz Yisrael. A person can be an apikaris in Eretz Yisrael. The answer is they're not truly in Eretz Yisrael. They're not truly in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is not a place. Eretz Yisrael is an entity. It's a spiritual truth. It's a spiritual reality in the soul. And if a person can find that truth in their soul and serve their Rabbanishon from that place, certainly it's compounded and it's, and it's maximized and it's like on steroids if you're literally in the physical place of Eretz Yisrael as well. But the ultimate tachlis is to serve the Rabbani Shalom, is to discover Eretz Yisrael within oneself, especially for people like us that are in Chutzlarts. You know? And again, uh, uh, as we'll see soon, the more a person can appreciate what Eretz Yisrael truly is, the more automatically the love for the land will grow and develop. But to have a love for Eretz Yisrael just uh, because the alternative is terrible, you know, that, 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 that's, not, that, that's not what... Chibas arts, that's not what loving Eretz Yisrael is about, that I love Eretz Yisrael because over there I can do X, Y, Z. That's an Havat Tlui that's a love that depends on something, that's a, that's a love that, uh, that has a certain qualification to it. That's not true Ahava. 
The Rambam, for example, writes in Hilchas Malachim. It's interesting. The Rambam talks about the laws of Eretz Yisrael in terms of living there and and what a tamer person has to leave and so on and so forth. And the Rambam throws over there that the way of the Chachamim was to love the land, to love Eretz Yisrael. And when they left Eretz Yisrael, if they needed to leave, they would kiss the stones of Eretz Yisrael as they left. Now it's fascinating, the Farshim already pointed this out, the Rambam is a Halacha Sefer, and the Rambam records that in Halacha, which means that the Rambam is telling us that the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael isn't just a matter of living there. It, 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 part of that mitzvah is to love the land. And what, so the question you could ask is why? As long as I'm living there, so that's, that's uh, so I'm, 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 I'm doing the mitzvah. I'm, I'm, I'm living in Eretz Yisrael. My official passport says I'm Israeli. Why do I have to love it? Let's say, let's say I'm, li- I'm living in my home and I don't love my home. Am I not living there? I'm still living there. So why is it that in order to fulfill the mitzvah properly, living in Eretz Yisrael, again, whatever the mitzvah is, however you classify it, in terms of 613, not 613, that's not the point. But whatever, whatever mitzvah one is accomplishing by living in Eretz Yisrael, why does it depend on a person's love for the land? The Ram is throwing that in, in the context of, mitzvah, of, of living in Eretz Yisrael. The answer is, as we're saying, Eretz Yisrael is not just a place. Eretz Yisrael is a part of the soul. And if your person's living in Eretz Yisrael and they don't like it there, then that means they're disconnected from what Eretz Yisrael truly is. And so on what level are they really living there? Physically they are, but spiritually they're not. And what the Ram is telling us is, again, echoing this idea that we find in Primi Satar, what Eretz Yisrael is not. Eretz Yisrael is not just a physical place. It's not. It's a physical place on earth that's the, the, the physical manifestation and the materialization of some deeper truth that exists within the Neshama itself. Some deeper truth that exists within God Himself. And that truth that's called Eretz Yisrael, that spiritual reality, is in, it reflects itself in the land, and that's in truth what connects the Jewish people with the land of Israel. That's what the connection, that's the, that's the attachment we have, is because in Eretz Yisrael, we intuitively, on a national level or individually, we intuitively discover a part of ourselves. And that's really what we're being drawn to with Eretz Yisrael. We're not being drawn to a place in order to get out of anywhere else. Or just a place that we can be politically uh, independent or even spiritually great. That's not what's drawing us to Eretz Yisrael. What draws a Jew to Eretz Yisrael ultimately is the fact that in Eretz Yisrael you can discover yourself. And you can discover the part of yourself that's called Eretz Yisrael. Rav Kook continues again, Eretz Yisrael, hi chativ atzmusis keshur v'kesher chaimumum Eretz Yisrael is an entity, it's, it's, it's something, it's an existence that's bound to the life of the Jewish people itself. Chavuka b'skulas pinimis imetziusa. It's bound, it's, it's attached in, 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 a, in a very deep way with the reality of the Jewish people. It's, 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 again, it's reflective of some part of the neshama that's called Eretz Yisrael. The Rav Kook goes on, and again, we haven't yet, we haven't defined what that is yet. Again, like I said, we're, we're saying right now what Eretz Yisrael is not. In Marmokka number two, Rav Kook continues, Hamachshav al-Dvar Eretz Yisrael. says Rav Kook more than that. Not only, if a person thinks of Eretz Yisrael as just a land in which, you can, which the Jewish people can live safely and happily and spiritually and, 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 and in a holy way, but it's just a land that facilitates Avodis Hashem, it's a land that facilitates uh, happiness and health and so on on all levels. If you think of Eretz Yisrael in that way, first of all, you're, just, you're missing the boat. You're missing what Eretz Yisrael truly is. And says Rav Kook, but more than that, your, your connection to Eretz Yisrael will not last. If that's the connection, just simply a, a, re, a piece of real estate, within which you can be unbelievably great within that place, and you have all the... 
you have all the right reasons to want that piece of real estate. But if it, all it is to you is a piece of real estate, then ultimately your connection will not last. Why? So he says like this, The thought of Eretz Yisrael, Shehirak Erechitzayni, to think of it only in its, in its uh, in external value. In order to unify the people. Even if that, that unifying force, the real estate itself that you're, that you're, that you're, that you're uh, uh, dreaming about, is, 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 you're, you're not thinking anything political. You're thinking that the, the, the place of Eretz Yisrael will allow the, the Judaism that we've experienced in Golas to really uh, become fortified and strengthened. That in Eretz Yisrael we'll be able to live the way we're supposed to live. With the the the, the Yiddish Atam, Ulamitzis Amuna, Vahira, Vahizik, and it'll be a place that'll give strength to our Amuna, to our Yir Shemayim, and the Mechazik our Mitzis Maisius, Bitsur Hagoina in a proper way. Those are all very beautiful things. To want to go to Eretz Yisrael and to love Eretz Yisrael because Eretz Yisrael is a place that you could serve Hashem properly and Amuna will be strong and healthy. Those are all nice things. But says Rav Cook, but those are still superficial. Ain la pri haroy lakim. The fruit of that relationship to the land will not last. Ki ayisayid hazeh ruua be'erech eisan hakaidish l'Eretz Yisrael. Because the great structure, the heavy structure that's called Eretz Yisrael, is not being given a proper foundation. The a weak foundation upon which kedushas Eretz Yisrael should 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 be built on. It's not, it needs a sturdier foundation than that. If a person's connection to land is simply a place in which, you know, Yidin can live the way Yidin are supposed to live, then you're not going to, that, that is a foundation that's not going to be able to support what Eretz Yisrael truly is. And therefore, it's only a matter of time until that edifice that's called Chibas Aretz by this person is going to fall apart. It's not, it's not sturdy. It's not built on something, on something strong. So, how does a person begin? Well, I guess, I guess the next question we can ask is, so where did this mistake come from? Why is it that this is maybe news to a lot of people that Eretz Yisrael is not just a piece of real estate? Where does this come from? Where does this mistake come from? Well, the answer is the mistake comes like for most things, which is simply a lack of education. And Rav Kook explains in Marmogun number three, a profound statement, he says, From a person's distance, when a person is, is, is removed from Pnimis HaTayra, from secrets of Tayra, To the extent that a person is disconnected from Pnimis, from secrets of Tayra, from understanding Yiddishkeit in a deep way, and understanding one's relationship with the Rabbani Shalom in a deep way, to that extent, your vision of Eretz Yisrael will be metushtash. It'll be um, it'll be uh, cloudy. It won't be it won't be clear. It won't be clear. To understand Eretz Yisrael, in other words, one has to have an understanding of Pnimis Torah because Eretz Yisrael, again, superficially, is just a piece of land. So, like, what you know, there's nothing more to it. Person has to be able to become educated in terms of Pnimis Torah to understand what an Hashem is and how an Hashem works. And then you'll be able to understand what Eretz Yisrael is. And the more a person learns about that, the more automatically the love for the land will, will, will be developed in a, in a real way. Because what you're learning about when it, when it comes to yourself is what you're experiencing in Eretz Yisrael. And he says, A person who only perceives, only is interested in the, uh, the superficial, the, 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 the surface level. 
Honestly, a person that doesn't have a real connection to Pnimiya Satyra won't necessarily feel something really missing in his life if Klai doesn't have Eret Yisrael or uh, jurisdiction over the land. And all the, thing, all the aspects of Klai being rebuilt in Eret Yisrael with Mashiach, a person that only has a connection to, to the revealed part of Torah in a very superficial way, in a moment of honesty, is, is, would admit to himself that I don't really care so much. I want to be able to keep Torah mitzvahs, so if you tell me that I need Eretz Yisrael for that, fine. But in terms of really, truly appreciating the land, it really doesn't come unless a person has a connection to Pinyin Satyra. You cite Tzipiyas HaYeshua, the very concept of longing for Mashiach to such a person who lives superficially, who to such a person sees Mashiach as just a particular branch. It's a branch that comes off of a tree that's called Yiddishkeit. Okay, it's an aspect of Yiddishkeit. There's an aspect of Yiddishkeit that's called uh, Shatnes. There's an aspect of Yiddishkeit that's called Kashras. There's an aspect of Yiddishkeit that's called wanting Mashiach. No, it is what it is. But it's not the end all and be all. It's not the very essence. It's not, it's not the, to such a person, Eretz Yisrael, the, the wanting to return to the land has nothing, doesn't touch the very essence, the very core of who he is and what Yiddishkeit is about. And that itself is the proof that there's something missing. That itself is the proof that there's something missing in looking at Yiddishkeit in that superficial way, in the, in, in the fact that, that Eretz Yisrael is no big deal to the person. Because if you, as I mentioned in the very beginning, you look at Chumash, Eretz Yisrael is everything. <laughs> Chumash begins and ends with Eretz Yisrael. All Tanakh is about Eretz Yisrael. Everything is about Eretz Yisrael. Most of Davening is about Mashiach and returning to the land. And so the person that only has a, a perspective of Yiddishkeit that's uh, rooted in Halacha and so on, in Nigla, but nothing deeper than that, should, in a moment of honesty, have the following question, which is, why are we making such a big deal about Eretz Yisrael? It's not worth it. It's not worth the blood. Like, what are we making ourselves crazy for? But the answer is that it's the very, the very fact that he's bothered with that question, says Rav Cook, proves that he doesn't, that this person hasn't yet uh, understood what Yiddishkeit's about. So again, so as we said, in order to really understand Eretz Yisrael, we're going to have to learn a little panemius. We're going to have to learn something a little bit deeper about what the neshama is and, and different parts of the neshama. And from there, we'll be able to appreciate what Eretz Yisrael is. Now in Marmokka number four, just uh, one more just fascinating piece in Rav Kook where he talks about this spiritual connection between Kala Yisrael and the land. A love that's not coming from anything that you could explain, but it's coming from just the natural love that a person has for themselves, because that's what Eretz Yisrael is. It's a part of who we are. Rav Kook makes the following observation. In Marmokka number four, is in Eilis uh, Riyah, it's a sefer that he has on, uh, on Agadita, on the Gemara, so it's in Chelek Aleph, Reish Gimel. So he says a, 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 a very interesting like historical observation. He says, Kesher HaKodesh Shel Yisrael Im the holy connection that exists between Kla Yisrael and the land. It's not, you can't compare it to the natural connection that every nation and every tongue has towards its land. In other words, every, every you know, uh, uh, English people love England, you know, uh, French people feel nostalgic towards France, and so on and so forth. So every, every people feel a connection to their land. But says Rav Kuk, but there's something different about the connection between Kla Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael versus every other nation on earth vis-a-vis their land. How so? 
So he says, interesting, he says, When it comes to a natural connection between a people and their homeland, it's something that develops over a long period of time. If you have a nation that's nomadic and they're traveling from place to place, then they happen to set up shop in a location for a month or two or even for a few years, they're not going to wax poetic for years to come about that place. Rather, with a long period of time, we have an extended period of time in one location, and with a number of historical events that you could, you know, that, the, that you teach about your kids in school, some historical events connecting your ancestry to this land. And through having a multitude of people, a huge population, with, so you, know, you need three factors. You need a large population. You need to be in that place for an extended period of time. And you need some historical events, some big ideas, some big events. If, it, if, if there's basically no history, then there's no connection. When you have a group of people, a, a vast number of people that come together to live in a particular place, in a permanent way, then some sort of historical love and connection begins to come through being familiar with the land. And it begins to pump and it begins to sort of uh, take root in the heart of the future generations. And a spiritual connection can then be made between the people and the land. So in other words, a natural connection to a homeland takes time. It takes time. It takes, it takes a long period of time. It takes historical events. You know, it, just that, that's what it takes. You know? People feel connected to America because of American history, because of people have been here for some time, and there's major events, and there's a certain ideology. And it takes time. It takes time for these things to develop. And eventually, there is a strong connection there. But not so when it comes to the divine connection, the godly connection, which is coming from the source of Kedusha, that Kala Yisrael became connected, became bound with the land of Eretz Yisrael, the holy land of Eretz Yisrael, the, the godly connection that exists between Kala Yisrael and the land, this seal, this connection, Hischelias Mavulat became apparent through this divine uh, illumination. Like we say in Tehillim, that even when Kleisra were of a small number, and immediately just Eretz Yisrael like grabbed us. It was love at first sight. And that's something that's not normal. It's not normal. Again, that's a different schmooze altogether. Love at first sight is not normal. It's not real, really. But uh, but but there is there wasn't there was a, a situation love at first sight and that was with Eretz Yisrael, that was with Eretz Yisrael. This man her in a short amount of time, the talk of Yachad and Mafiyim Baritz were and immediately with our entrance into the land, the And the truth is, Rav Cook says the truth is even before we got to the land, Kala Yisrael even just hearing about Eretz Yisrael, we became attached to, we became in love with the, with the land. And when we were sitting in the land, even without it being really settled in place, even when we were just sojourning and wandering and Avram Avinu and the Avis Akdashim, and we weren't there permanently. But that itself already forged a deep connection. And therefore, this tells you anything that's fundamentally rooted in nature would not help this connection. Obviously, says Rav Kook, this connection between Klai Yisrael and the land 
is something that's supernatural, it's something that's spiritual. And again, the explanation is because Eretz Yisrael is not a land. Eretz Yisrael is a part of the neshama, and that place called Eretz Yisrael, it sort of, um, uh, it sort of activates that part within us that's called Eretz Yisrael. And that's where the connection comes from. It's not because of a historical phenomenon, or even because of some uh, dream that we have of what we can accomplish there. That's not what it's about. It's something that's natural. It's an hava she'en etuli b'davar. And because of this, because of this, Rav Kook explains in Maravaka number 5, that you don't even have to be in the land to have a connection to Eretz Yisrael, as I mentioned. To the extent that a person has a chuka and a connection to what Eretz Yisrael means in Ruchni then automatically his ideas, his intellect, his, um, his imagination, and so on, everything becomes purified and clarified from the oxygen of Eretz Yisrael. Knows the oxygen of Eretz Yisrael will, will, will be machkim, will make wise a Jew that's living in, in Panama. What shaykh is? The guy's living in uh, New Mexico. He becomes, uh, you know, uh, elevated because of Kedushas Aretz. The answer is, yeah, because if, he's, if he understands what Eretz Yisrael is, and he's serving Hashem from an Eretz Yisrael dick away, then that means he's connected to Eretz Yisrael. And that means all the schools, all the kaychas of Eretz Yisrael, become manifest in this person's life. Anyone that has, that has a longing, that has a drive to see Eretz Yisrael and to what Eretz Yisrael truly is, is already influenced by Kedushas Aretz. And he quotes the Pasuk, Simcha Yerushalayim Vigiluba, Kol that a person should rejoice with Yerushalayim, all those that, that, that love her, just loving Eretz Yisrael for what it truly is, that's enough to forge that connection. So, so far what we've learned tonight is what Eretz Yisrael is not. Eretz Yisrael is not just a place. Eretz Yisrael is not just a, a location where we could become politically independent. It's not even just a location where we could keep all the Torah mitzvahs and we could become Sadiqim. That's also not what Eretz Yisrael is. Eretz Yisrael is, 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 is an entity. Eretz Yisrael is a metzius of the neshama. Eretz Yisrael is a metzius of elokus. It's something, it, there's an aspect of how the Rabbani Shalom reflects himself in the world. There's some aspect of how the neshama reflects itself in the world that's called Eretz Yisrael. And if we could identify what that is that, and learn about that and figure out how to serve Hashem in that way, both emotionally and in Torah and Avayda and Gmos Chasadim, Every single aspect of Yiddishkeit can be done from an Eretz Yisrael perspective. And that's what we're going to have to learn about over the next coming weeks. What is that? So, uh, for the next few minutes, let me give a little bit, I guess, of an introduction of what Eretz Yisrael is. What Eretz Yisrael is. And what's amazing is, is that um, the final Marmokan that we'll see in a few minutes, I, I think the Ezra Hashem Yisbarach sheds a lot of light on what's going on right now. Uh, with the current events. Now, I know I'm being recorded right now, so I'm going to be very careful to only say things Burmese in terms of current events. I don't want to get in trouble. You never know who's listening. Uh, but, uh, okay, so what is Eretz Yisrael? Okay, so, again, like I said, this is going to be an idea that we're going to be developing over the next couple weeks. But just like this, in, 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 by, the, by the Mukubolim, there's a term, there's a term, that the Mekobolim use, it's uh, one of the jargon that they have, that really is Eretz Yisrael. And that's Malchus. Malchus. Malchus is, uh, it's one of the spheres, whatever that means. It's one of the midos that Hashem uses to create the world. There's an aspect in the Neshama that's called Malchus. Malchus, whatever that mida is of Malchus, Malchus is Eretz Yisrael. Malchus is the same thing as Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael, that physical place on earth, 
is a manifestation of that quality, of that midah, that godly midah, and that soulful midah that's called malchus. So what is malchus? What does that mean? What is malchus exactly? You know, the Zara Kaddish, and um, there's, a, there's a famous passage of the Zara that's called Pas, Pasach Elio. And over there, the Zayar mentions all the different spheres and sort of gives um, body parts to connect each sphere to a particular body part. And over there, it says the following statement, Malchus peh, tarish bal peh karinama. That Malchus is associated with the mouth, with the power of speech. The power of speech. What is Malchus? So it's like this. You know, every single one of us is really comprised of two parts. I mean, this is, this is basic, everyone knows this. Everyone has an neshama, and you have a guf, right? Or, in other words, another way to say it is that every single one of us, there's a part of who we are which is completely mysterious. There's a part of who we are, who we are which is completely unknown to really anyone. What's your neshama? Like, you point to it. We don't, even know, we don't even know ourselves what our neshama is. There's a, part of our, there's a part of who we are that's completely unknown. There's a part of God that's completely unknown. There's a part of Torah that's completely unknown. You know, everyone knows the Zara says that the Chazal say in the Medrash also that Yisrael v'Arais v'Kutshavrichuchad that Hashem, the Jewish people, and Torah are one. And the Zara expounds on that, and the Zara says that just as with God, there's a part of God that's unknown. There's a part of God that's unknown. He only allows a little bit of Himself to be to be experienced, to be known to us. But who God is, we have no idea. So too, within the Neshama, within the Jew, there's a part of who we are which is completely unknown to us. We don't know. And there's a part of Torah that's unknown. There's a part of Torah that's, that's completely unknown. And then Mitzat Sheni, there's another part of God, Torah, and the Jew that is known. There's a part of who we are that is uh, known. Our body, I could point to your face, I could uh, pick you out of a crowd, and you have a certain personality, and everyone has, everyone has a part of themselves that's, that's very down-to-earth. It's very you know, specific, and, and, and you could point to and feel it and so on. And there's a part of Torah which is also down to earth and practical, and there's all different halachas and mitzvahs and so on, very practical. And there's a part of God which is known. There's a part of God which is known. God show, you know, God reveals Himself on some level uh, in history, in world events, in a person's life. There's certain certain events in a person's life that becomes clear that there's some higher power running things. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, the world became a little bit more sensitive to that to that truth uh, over the past couple months, a few months. But what, about, but what about in between, you know? I'll give you an example. In the Sifra Kabbalah, we're, we're taught that, uh, you know, Kal Yisrael come from primarily two mothers, right? Rachel and Leah. Leah always represents that which is completely unknown, that which is completely hidden. That's why Yaakov Avinu didn't appreciate, I mean, Kivyochel, you know, on, on his level, for a certain time, he didn't appreciate who Leah was. Any Leah Rakas, physically, when you looked at Leah, you didn't see much. The Shachanim thought she was a Shidduch with Esav. That's how little they saw so Leah always means that part of God, that part of Torah, that part of the Jew, which is completely unknown. It's completely unknown. That's why the word Leah is also the same letters as Oyel, a tent, hidden, completely unknown. Then Mitzat Sheni have Rachel. Rachel is everything that is known, everything that is revealed. Rachel is beautiful on the outside. Rachel Emenu was someone that Yaakov was, was, was drawn to. Rachel Emenu means that part of God, Torah, and the Jew that is known. So what's Eretz Yisrael? Eretz Yisrael, the Chiddush of Eretz Yisrael, the Chiddush of Malchus is the unifying force between those two qualities. Eretz Yisrael means the ability, Malchus means the ability to, to allow that which is unknown 
to make itself somewhat known. To say a secret. That's what a secret is, right? What's a secret? See, Leia is not called a secret. It, 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 you know, you don't even know that there's a secret there. It's, no, there's nothing to say. It's not like Leah was a secret to Yaakov Avinu. When Yaakov looked at Leah, Yaakov saw, oh, she's a mysterious lady. No, no, he didn't see anything mysterious. He didn't see anything. And Rachel also, there's no mystery. It's exactly what, what Yaakov Avinu saw, is what Rachel was. The Indian of secrecy, the Indian of, of being able to convey something that's mysterious, to convey in an outer way, to give other people the ability or to give yourself the ability to at least tap into something that's beyond. That's what Malchus is. This is why the Zara connects Malchus with Peh, with verbalization. What does it mean to speak? Speech is the quality that unifies Rachel and Leah. Speech means that I, I look at the person, he's having thought is completely unknown. That's Leah, it's thought. Rachel Menu is action. I see what the person is doing. What's speech? Speech is how you convey secrets. Speech is how you, can, how you allow your thoughts to become somewhat known. And through a person's speech, you can tell much more than their actions. You could tell a person's mood. You could even pick up on certain usages of words. How does he say this? What, he, what is he not saying? Things become a little bit more, the secrets of how a person thinks becomes a little bit more clear with speech. Malchus pet. Malchus Pet. What is Eretz Yisrael? Eretz Yisrael is that place inside the Jewish soul that gives you the ability to discover the part of you, the part of God, the part of Torah that's unknown. That's what Eretz Yisrael means. And this is, and, and, and this is really, again, this is something Bezer Shemek will talk about this more next week. The reality of Golas what, what is Gullus? So again, on a superficial level, Gullus means we were in the land and now we're out of the land. Eretz Yisrael is still there, right? It's just a matter of we're not there. That's what Gullus means. But that's not really true in terms of Panemius. Because what Gullus really means is our losing touch with that quality that's called Eretz Yisrael within ourselves. Gullus means our inability to, see, to, to bridge that gap between that which is unknown and that which is known. Another Golis means when I look at a chair, all I see is a chair. That's all I see. And if I and Golis means when I think about God, I don't see anything. So a Golis mindset separates Rachel and Leah. A Golis mindset says, yeah, okay, there's God. I don't know what that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that's about. All I see is a is a world of nature. That's all I see. That means that means Eretz Yisrael itself was lost. It's not the shot that we moved away from Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael was was in a certain sense surgically removed from the neshama on a certain level. That's what Golis is. To return to Eretz Yisrael doesn't, doesn't just mean to return to that place. This is why, for example, we'll see Bez Hashem this next week, this is why Eretz Yisrael was a land full of Navua. What's Navua? Navua is, is Eretz Yisrael. Navua means a human being being able to hear and to be able to communicate, to, this, to reveal that which is completely mysterious. What the Rabbani Shalom says, words of the Rabbani Shalom, Kayam Hashem, that, that's the, the greatest Kayach Hadibur, that, that's, why, that's why Nevuah is connected with speech. The greatest, it's, it's, it's the Rabbani Shalom's speech coming through the Navi. The greatest Navi of all was Maish Rabbeinu, and Chazal described his Nevuah as Shechina Medaber the Divine Presence speaking through his throat. The meaning of speech means to be able to convey, to be able to connect, 
the external world, that which oh, the world that you experience tangibly, with that which you don't experience tangibly. And the bridge between the two, to be able to experience something that's a little bit beyond, that's called speech. And that's what's called Eretz Yisrael, that's what Nevuah is. That Nevuah is not just a Tamar Chacham, uh, guess, making, doing guesswork, trying to figure out what God wants. God is revealing himself to you through the Navi. That's what, that's what, that's what Nevuah means. And so this idea of what Malchus is, of bridging the gap, unifying Rachel and Leah, of being able to, to look at something practical and tangible, but use it as, but see it as, as a vehicle that is expressing something deeper that you can't see. That, that, that's what Eretz Yisrael is. This is why Rav Kook mentioned that without Primi Satoira, a person doesn't have a connection to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, I shouldn't say that. A person doesn't really appreciate what Eretz Yisrael is. Why is that? So it's not only because this, the Svarim that will tell you about Eretz Yisrael are the same Svarim that talk about Kabbalah. It's deeper than that. What is Pnei Mesatar? What Pnei Mesatar is, 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 it's a secret. What Pnei Mesatar is telling you, the subject matter of Pnei Mesatar is, when you look at a chair, you're not just seeing a chair. That's what Pnei Mesatar is about. That itself is Eretz Yisrael. That eye, the eyes to be able to see that are the eyes of Eretz Yisrael. And this is why, by the way, it was such a cataclysmic event in Jewish history when the, the Malchus, when, the, when the, the kingdom split from the north, which was the kingdom of Yosef HaTzadik, of Rachel Imenu, and the south, which is Yehuda and David HaMelech. I mean, again, almost every share I talk about is Rachel and Leah, Yosef and Yehuda, Meshech and Yosef, Meshech and David. But... That divide was itself the loss of Eretz Yisrael. That, that, it only it was a matter of time until we lost sovereignty over the land itself because what the land is is the embodiment of the unity between Rachel and Leah. That, that's, that's what the land is. That's what Malchus means. It's the ability to be able, again, to see something and to experience something viscerally, but to be able to be sensitive to something transcendent that's contained within that which is in front of your eyes. It's the unifying force to, to reveal secrets, to reveal mysteries. Eretz Yisrael is a land of mysteries. It's a land of secrets. It's a land that, that, that tells you there's something more than meets the eye. This is true in terms, and, there, and therefore, going back, that, that perspective, that avoida of Eretz Yisrael is something that can change a person's Torah. It changes your davening. It changes your mitzvahs. It changes your avas Yisrael. It's everything. Everything that a person does in Yiddishkeit should be done from the, from, the, from, the, from the prism of Eretz Yisrael. Now, just to end off, and again, that's, that, that's what I want to do over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll talk about, next week we'll talk about examples, uh, you know, even in practical, even decision-making, in, in confidence, in emotional health. There's, there's an Eretz Yisrael dika emotional health, and there's a Chutzlar dika emotional health. Bez uh, Hashem, we'll see about this. In Ishbitzah, it's a big, big discussion. You know, the confidence that one gets from being connected to Eretz Yisrael. To be able to live in a world that, that you know, that, that, to, to live in a world where, where, where a person thinks that all you have is what your eyes tell you, that's a very scary place to live in. That's a very scary place to live in. Although it, it, might, it might feel counterintuitive, right? It might feel like you're in control, right? Because it means, I, it means that, that the table that's in front of me is just a table and that makes me feel calm. But the truth is it doesn't. The truth is it doesn't. Because uh, I, we'll talk about this position next week. Uh, in the world, it becomes a very confining place and it becomes a very scary place where if you make the wrong move, all is lost. A person has to be able to believe 
that there's something beyond this place, that this place is part of something much, much bigger, in order to have the confidence to navigate. And that's why Eretz Yisrael demands confidence, Eretz Yisrael demands courage. Bez Hashem will talk about this. But every aspect of human experience is, is enlivened and, and, and can be seen from the vantage point of Eretz Yisrael. Now, one final Nakuda from the last Maramokim, and as I mentioned, I think, I think this is mamish, uh, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing about what's going on right now in the world. Rav Kook says like this, he makes the following observation. He says, why is it that in all of Tanakh, I shouldn't say Tanakh, but in Chumash in particular, Eretz Yisrael is not called Eretz Yisrael, it's called Eretz Canaan. Now, okay, you could, it's, you could say that's not a bomb kasha, because uh, until we got to Eretz Yisrael, the Canaanim were living there. But the, the, the question still remains, I mean, we're talking about for all time. I mean, Chumash is now for all time. Eretz Yisrael technically, even if you want to go a little bit more lambdish, the Gemara Babasra says that Eretz Yisrael was owned by Avram Avinu from the time that he walked up and down the land. So technically speaking, it was Eretz Yisrael. I mean, it is the land, how we owned it, even from the very beginning. So why is it called Eretz Canaan? So he says like this, also in Eretz Yisrael, he says, Eretz Yisrael yesh haskula hachiyos al Eretz Yisrael has a certain particular quality, as what we've been talking about just now, the meaning of Malchus. Eretz Yisrael contains within it some sort of kayach that's coming from a very high holy place, that is revealed in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael has an unbelievable quality to be able to transform something which looks very ugly and very low and very cursed, to reveal that within that curse is actually bracha. Eretz Yisrael reveals secrets. And the strength of Eretz Yisrael is something unique to the land, that the land is able to bring out good even in the thing that looks the most ugly. L'shem kach, and again, that's the meat of Malchus. Malchus means that when I look at something, Malchus gives you the ability to look deeper. It gives you the ability to discover to that, that, that the, secret, the, the, the inner content of something is revealing itself. It, you know, it makes itself known. That's what Malchus is about. L'shem kach, and because of this, shem ha'aretzu kanan. Therefore, the name of Eretz Yisrael and Tanakh, the, 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 the most... The most the, 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 the greatest thing we can say is that it's called Eretz Canaan. How? Ha'ish ha'makalo ha'makulo. Canaan is the son of Cham. Cham was cursed. Canaan ever avodim yilachiv. He's cursed as being a slave of slaves to the rest of humanity. Oitzer ha'kir v'abahamias. Cham and Canaan are the treasure house of ugliness and of animalistic tendencies. V'ashiflos ha'noishis. The lowest level of humanity. And all those low qualities, what, find themselves in, in Cham and in Canaan. But what Eretz Yisrael does is Eretz Canaan. Eretz Yisrael means that even in Canaan, even in Ever Avodim, in, 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 in the nation of Cham, in the land of Cham, you're able to discover something that's very, very special and very worthwhile and very significant and very alive. And the ability to discover and to discern deep significance, even in a package that's called Canaan, that's the Kaich of Eretz Yisrael. That's the Kaich of Eretz Yisrael. No, that's what's going on in the world right now. There's this Cyrus... There's a Cyrus of, of, of 
you know, there's a service of, uh, of finding chashivas even in Canaan, even in Canaan and in Cham, there's a service like that. And whenever that happens, it means Eretz Canaan, it means Eretz Yisrael is, is, is awakening. It means there's a, the Kayach of discerning, of finding deep chashivas in low packages. Is, uh, that's what Eretz Yisrael is about. Eretz Yisrael changes one's perspective of everything. That's why it's called Eretz Canaan. That's what's called Eretz Canaan. That's the greatest thing that you can say about Eretz Yisrael is that it's able to turn darkness into light or to reveal light that's contained in darkness. That's the best thing. That, that's what Eretz Yisrael is about. That's Malchus. So again, that's, that's the, just the Hakdama share for tonight. What Eretz Yisrael is not and a little bit of what Eretz Yisrael is. And Bez Hashem, this idea will become more clear as we give examples of different avoidas in terms of how to serve Hashem in different ways in different uh, avenues and so on. In Eretz Yisrael, way, Bez Hashem will become clear. And with that, we should be zaycha to, uh, to develop a, a love for the land, hiskashas uh, to the land, and Bez Hashem altogether... Very, very soon, we should be zeichet to return to land. Kamimiyas l'aretzeinu in a full way. Bias gold tzedek meherviyemenu amen. Neshakayich, everybody.